Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. What's going on, Modern Nation? I'm Anthony Salome. This is Alex and Nicholas, a rusty Alex and Nicholas, and Anthony man, we're Salome. both we're both rusty, man. This is this is. A, but, but you know what? What never fails, though. What never fails is that we have technical difficulties. Um, and this time it's definitely all on Blog Talk Radio because we're trying to call in. We were in, and then all of a sudden it gives us this, you know, it boots us out and tells us it's busy, and so that's definitely on Blog Talk. But I mean, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be the Rush Podcast without audio difficulties. Not a blimp on the you podcast for, for radar perfection. But what's going on? Happy New Year, everybody! Our first uh, podcast of the new year, bringing y'all some fresh takes for 2015. UTEP Athletics, Scott. I mean, I feel like we have a whole month of stuff to talk about pretty much since the last time we're on, but let's get it started. Uh, let's start it off with a little uh, UTEP football. We're covering a little bit of the uh, happenings that have come uh, come about the past couple of days, and then we'll touch on the recruiting news. But kind of, I guess, to us, this is kind of a big big news, but uh, former El Dorado receiver MJ McFarland. Uh, last night, <clears throat> this was reported by Horns Digest. Chip Brown, it's up on MindedRush.com if you haven't checked it out where he basically reported that MJ McFarland, uh, former El Dorado wide receiver, tight end for Longhorns, was going to be one of six players from the Texas program leaving. And as soon as that hit, we got word through our sources that UTEP was, if not the top, or if not the top, one of the more likely destinations for Mr. McFarland's services. And I mean, I, I mean, hey, you, you, we could use the guy. There's no doubt about yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt that we could use him. I mean, the guy was was obviously a talent in high school. Played mostly wide receiver, but you know, once once he went to Texas, obviously added in some pounds and found himself at the tight end position. He never really, I mean, out of high school, he was ranked, I think, the you know, top fifteen, eleventh, eleventh in the nation, eleventh ranked tight end in the nation, um, which is huge. I mean, coming out of El Paso, you don't get a lot of notoriety. You don't you don't get a lot of people don't really see the talent that comes out of El Paso a lot of the times. You even look at a guy like Aaron Jones. Um, who had some looks, but I don't think he, I don't think people realize how good of a talent he was. And that happens a lot in El Paso. Wow. People kind of just, you know, go under the radar, slip through the cracks, whatever you want to say. And all sports, too. Uh, yeah. And, and so McFarland was one of them that really didn't because he was ranked 11th nationally. And again, he didn't do a ton at Texas. I mean, obviously things didn't work out exactly how he had hoped, but there's no question that the guy's got the size and the, the, the physical ability. I mean, he's a talented kid and, and, I think he would fit into the system well. I mean, from what I've read, he's not a great receiving tight end. I'm sure he's got some hands. You know, I'm sure he can catch some passes. 
But but for his size, I mean, I think he would fit right in as a great blocker and and a, and a passing threat as well. And I mean, you look at if you, I, I kind of follow Texas, not the way I follow UTEP, but they really haven't had an adequate or adequate quarterback to kind of sling the ball around like they have with the Colt McCoys and even yeah. go back a little further with the Vince Young. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna bring them two down as far as the passing game. But UTEP has some quarterback issues themselves, which we'll kind of get into. And also. Uh, on that, on that note, on that note, twenty four seven sports. Uh, one of their uh, editors for the pit, one of the, the editor for the pit uh, blog or the pit. I don't know how scholars twenty four seven sports <laughs> with their blogs or what they are. Anyhow, he tweeted uh, out that Trey Anderson, who's a former five A. This is a big deal to me when you're at Texas five A quarterback state, state champion, champion state champion that's a big yeah. deal. I don't care what you've gone through. So, but anyway, Trey Anderson uh, spent some time at Pitt. Uh, thinking about he's already been released to transfer from Pitt and he's also in the mix for them and he's and we'll pretty much find out at the end of this week because school yeah. starts next Wednesday I believe on the 20th oh but this is another guy that could come in and possibly in his position group we talked about McFarland making an impact but I think more with Anderson he can make that quarterback competition a little bit more of a competition yeah. you know with his uh, power five I mean, experience and, and he can play too. I think I think if Anderson comes in here, then then he's been not guaranteed the starting spot. He gets that slight, but, but I, I think there, you know, if the enticing part of it for him would be, hey, you're our favorite heading into into spring camp or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think I think if if Anderson does end up on on campus, that he will be the starting quarterback next year, which a lot of people are not upset about, but they'd like to see some of these other guys that have been around for, for a couple of years. Most and, notably Simpson. That yeah, exactly. Garrett Simpson. The fan I mean, favorite. He, it's hard to say. I mean, we saw Garrett Simpson a little bit here and there in scrimmages. He got a couple snaps, I think, throughout the last two seasons. But Pissed off Coogler with the snaps this year. <laughs> going that quarterback. It's, it's hard to say what you're going to get out of him, but I do think he deserves the opportunity. Now, the other the other side of it is that you know, these coaches see what they have. You know what I mean? Like, it's easy on the outside looking in to be like, hey, you got a 6'5 guy with a cannon of an arm and blah, blah, blah. You know, that's that's he should be the starter. But you don't see how he practices. You don't see how he plays in those games. How he studies. How he studies. Exactly. exactly. You know, he might, he might not be there on, on like you're saying, on, on, from the mental aspect and being able to kind of grasp the game, you know, the playbook and, and check downs and whatnot, whatever it might be. You know, he might not be that guy for this for this team. Um, I'm just. This is just complete speculation. I'm just saying there's probably a reason why he hasn't been that starter, and, and why he hasn't even been given the opportunity because there definitely were times where he could have been put in that starting lineup, uh, namely when Jamil went down. You know, you you could have gone to him, uh, and, and and you saw them go to uh, what's the kid? Byron. <laughs> you I'm rusty, dog. man. I'm we rusty, dog. <laughs> no, but but you know they went to Leftwich last year, and I mean, I don't know, man. Look, when it comes to Trey Anderson, the guy was a stud out of high school, running a pro style offense, um, and he threw for almost three thousand yards, twenty eight, twenty nine yeah, touchdowns, so something like that. Play. Only a couple of interceptions, three interceptions. Let his, his, his whole high school career. Let his team to sixteen and zero his senior year. I mean, you know. What what's most shocking to me about this guy is that he walked on at Pitt. Yeah. And he had to earn a scholarship. And he had to earn a scholarship. So I'm wondering like 
What, how does how does a guy in five A football in Division Texas, One with a, his size because he's not he's not tiny. I mean, he's not. I guess he's not a real big quarterback, six foot, right? But six foot, foot, six foot one ninety. But I mean, you know, he's not like a. It's not like he's a five nine, five ten guy. He, he's six foot. I mean, he's he's got some height there, and and you would think a state champion, sixteen and zero with his stats, running the style of offense that he did, would get some some bigger looks and. I don't know if he just really had his heart set on Pitt or what, but to walk on at Pitt and then have to earn your scholarship and never really have things kind of pan out. And I, I'm not saying the guy's not good. His his resume looks great. I'm just wondering how did how did that take that detour? You know what I mean? That could be a case of like like you said with the UTEP coaches, they know their guys. Yeah. You know, he's a guy that's been there now four years. You know, he's yep. a graduate guy. He's a you know he's a guy that's kind of been around. He, they've had their quarterback issues as well as Pitt. Um, you know, I should have looked a little bit deeper, and that's why I have some more info to spit at y'all. But I mean, there's got to be something there, you know. And you look at to me, what looks at what I got to look at it is his completion percentage. Even though he only threw 45 passes, he was still 23 out of 35 through three interceptions his, his freshman year. So maybe there was an accuracy issue as far yeah. as on the field. But I mean, it, it just it, you just never know what what these transfers. You know, you you have to look at a guy. We we can flip it to the basketball side. Like Connor Tucker, a guy who didn't look like physically would be nothing for us for the basketball program, and he comes on. He was pretty much the heart and soul of that team in, in during a certain stretch of that season. So I mean, you just never kind of know what you're getting with these transfers. But it would definitely be nice to get a guy like MJ McFarland, you know, to block for a guy like Aaron Jones, and even if, if a guy like Trey Anderson could come in and really make a difference for UTEP, you know, why not give him a chance? But I really, and, and also too, what you're saying about you know the coaches know what they have, but you know. In your opinion, would it be kind of better to let these young guys? Well, I'm talking saying young guys. I'm talking about the Ryan Metzes and the Left Witches. Is it better for them to, with the team UTEP has, all those parts on the defense coming back? Would it be better to grow them over the next couple of years instead of just getting like a stop a stopgap guy, kind of like Showers in a sense? I wonder when with this particular team. I wonder when we're gonna stop going that route because. I mean, it's only going to be Cooler's third year, but you look at what he's done in his first three years, and all he's done is gone out to get that transfer to come and be that short-term fix. And no disrespect to Jamil Showers, man. I mean, to me, he was a very capable quarterback for the system that we had. But to be honest with you, he didn't he didn't pan out the way we had thought he was. When we when he came in, we thought he was going to be a savior, yeah. and and he was more of just kind of like. The shepherd. Yeah, he was exactly. just the shepherd, just like leading the herd down the which is which is fine for the type of offense that we had. And again, no disrespect to Jamil. But I'm wondering when when are we gonna take that step and and maybe go to one of these young guys who might have bigger upside. You know what I mean? Right. And exactly. I, I, I don't I don't know. Like I don't know if that's Kugler's MO. I don't know if and even before Kugler, if you go back to when Vitato's career ended, you know, and and correct me if I'm wrong. But I want to say Simpson was on campus too, and he goes out. And he, now, Lamison yes, was. was a pretty high, highly touted guy from where he came out of winning a JUCO championship, whatever his record was there. But you know, you got to think too. What, Simpson was a young guy with, like, like as you said, a lot of people thought he had a lot of upside. Six, 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 five guy when he came in. Yeah. Maybe there's something deep, deeper than than what we're looking at. But yeah, I think that trend has to stop, and I think Mets. Even to a point left, which are kind of those guys where you can possibly hand them the keys. But is is this maybe kind of like a small 
sign that maybe Kugler doesn't want to be here long term? You know, and this is completely off topic. This is complete speculation. This is not saying that I think this. I'm just asking the question. Is because when you're when you're make when you're when you're coming from the bottom up and you're trying to build a program, you don't do it by getting one Next year, two year transfer, transfer just yeah. and just going tra- exactly. You bring in your guys, you build them up in the system, and by the time they're maybe they're a sophomore, maybe they're a junior, whatever, then they have a couple years. They've been in the system for a couple years and they have a few more years to play. And it seems like he's doing that with the offensive line. It seems like he's doing exactly. that with some defensive it's, Exactly. Back. It's not just but, the quarterback position. But with the, but with, with the position that I, I believe quarterback is one of the, is the most important position in college football. Yeah. You look at teams this year that had UTSA, all the hype, all the hype. Defensively, they didn't have a quarterback. They couldn't move the football. They couldn't put up points. Same deal. You know, it's very, very important. And it, you you may be on something there. That's actually, I, mean, I just, hadn't even thought about it from just, that way. But it, It's just a thought. You know, why, could, why, why, why? Are you building for now? You know what I mean? Instead of for the future. Why aren't you trying to build a program that is going to be set for years to come? It feels like it's just it's just when now it's just plugging plugging the the leak. You know, you have a leak here, boom, plug it, and then a leak here, plug it, plug it, plug it with with a JUCO transfer, with a Division One transfer, whatever it is. And some of these guys are nice, good good quality talent. Right. You know what I mean? But that's not the point. The point is, it's not it's not going to do anything for the program in the long term. And honestly. I don't know how long you can do it with these one-year guys. You know what I mean? Like, we did well to go 7-5 and five this year, but I don't know if you can do that again next year. I would expect them to be able to, you know, be right there for a bowl game again with, with the guys we got coming back, but I don't know how long that can last, you know? Yep. And it's, it's, just, it's just speculation, it's, it's, man. It's just something to think we're about. We're in the offseason. We got, we got what, almost 200 <laughs> days before we kick off again. Oh, uh, we'll, we'll have a lot look, of those man, type of discussions. Here, here's bottom line. Whether, it, whether he's doing it because he wants to be here or doesn't want to be here or because that's just the way he thinks it's best to be done or whatever it is, it don't matter. If we land McFarland, it's a big-time pickup for us. If we land you know, Anderson, that's a great pickup for us as well because the guy's obviously proven it in high school. Uh, he's a Texas guy, I think. I think, think he probably bring something to the locker room. Yeah, I, I think, think, so I think too. guys like McFarland and Anderson can kind of bring something yeah, man, to the locker Yeah, because those guys have room. been around big-time yep. football. And I'm not saying UTEP isn't a major program, but they've been around big-time football. Yep. You know, and, 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 yep. and they know how it should work. They and, can help a guy like Aaron Jones, yep. our offensive stud. They can help a guy like Devin Cocker, our defensive stud. I mean, there's... So many parameters that go in into these two guys, and it, I think it would be huge. I would be, it'd be great to get both of them. One would be very suitable to me, not maybe not on the field because we're only going to have each of them for one year. But I just think these guys will make a big difference in the locker room. But I mean, no just, doubt about it, man. No doubt about it. And, and you know what? It, it'll be interesting to see how this all shapes up, and and then I mean. There's a lot of questions that are going to have to be answered in the next couple months, man. Next uh, couple, as as, and, and real quick with spring yeah, ball, too. Spring ball will be here before you know it. Yep. But let's move on just a little bit. Let's keep it with football. Let's just talk a quick second about, about another post you put up on Minor Rush, talking about some of these players that might have an opportunity to get a look by, at some NFL teams and and possibly be drafted. I don't know if there's a single player that's going to be drafted. I don't think so. I don't, I don't know if there is. And I, I, I completely agree with what you've got here with Eric Tomlinson, number one, because he, if anybody, is the most likely to be yeah. drafted because of his versatility. Because he can go in and still play tight end. I think he's got some hands. I mean, we didn't really see it this year, but we saw it earlier in his career that he can catch some balls. So he could still be a tight end, but with his size, he puts on 20 pounds. He definitely you know, can shift over and be a straight-up offensive lineman. So 
I mean, I think he's going to be the one that that has the best chance to get drafted and possibly, you know, find himself on an NFL roster next year. But I don't know if there will be a, a Utah player that'll get drafted. That's tough. He's got good, real good footwork, and, and people have looked at him. Um, the next guy on the list was someone I, you know, when I put this together, I wouldn't have put showers on here if he wasn't, if him and Tomlinson weren't in Carson practicing for the NFL. Yeah, PA exactly. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. There's something that NFL teams want to see out of showers. You know, he's a we we talked we touched on him earlier. You know, he's we talked about shepherding the herd. He's just so smart. He has a great football IQ, you know, and, and I think that's really his ticket. Now let's develop those passing. Zero, yeah, no, passing no doubt about it. There's something about his game that reminds me of Russell Wilson. Yeah, and I know that that's a stretch considering you're talking about you know the the reigning Super Bowl champ, but. You're not saying he is Russell Wilson. Yeah, he's yeah. in the mold. He's in the it, There's just mold. something about him. And he's a little bigger than Russell Wilson, yeah. but he's got those same kind of like instincts to run the football. I think a lot of, of Jameel's issues came from the play calling and the coaching. I, yeah, but I because agree. they really tried to shelter him and just make sure It was that, one read. It yeah, was one simple was. read. Don't make any decisions. Don't do anything stupid with the ball. Do what we tell you and throw if we tell you okay. to throw the ball. And that was all it was. And I think that really hindered him. But there is talent there. There is oh, talent there. That's why he was there at Texas A&M. And people might say, yeah, oh, he didn't, he didn't start against Johnny Manziel. We saw what Johnny Manziel did at Texas A&M. There are very few people in the country that could have started over Johnny Manziel with the way he ended up playing. You know? I mean, it is what it is what happened at Texas A&M, but there's something there. I mean, he's got, he's got talent. And like you said, there, there's a reason they invited him. There's a reason they, they want to see something out of him. I, and I complete. I don't know that he will even get it. Get, yeah. I don't even think he'll be on a camp roster. Yeah, I don't even know if he will. But maybe, maybe they they let him loose in this in this NFLPA ball or whatever, and, and he does well, and he does make a training camp roster. You never know. Definitely really for know. him. But it, it's kind of it was weird to see that. But like you touched on it perfectly. He's got those a little bit intangibles that you see. But I mean, and the next guy who I really really think is. I think he'll be on a roster. A, a one, you got you got one A and one B is Tomlinson, is, is A one, and then B yeah. is Damian Payne. I mean, this guy is a is just a, a athlete. He's just a total athlete. Could do it all. Played everywhere at Houston. You know, I, I, when I put in this write up, everybody say, well, he didn't do nothing in the punt return. Well, you know what? Last year, Jim Jones didn't do something do much either. Yeah. And he's more of a, a shifty, quicker guy. I think you got to pin that on UTEP's uh, return team. Maybe not being the best blocking is. But the guy made some great plays defensively. I mean, when UTEP was going through their injuries in the secondary during the middle towards the latter part of the year, this guy was playing safety, yeah. corner, making big plays, big tackles. I mean, Damian Payne is, is going to be a steal, not only as a defensive back, but as a special teamers with kick return. That's a big deal. When you look at these yeah, NFL I, I, prospects, can you play special teams? And Damon Payne can do that as a gunner, as a returner, I totally as a cover agree. guy. I, I'm I totally excited. Agree. I, I definitely Payne. think his forte will be in in, in on the special teams. I think obviously he's going to get invited to a camp as a defensive back. But I think I think if he does make a roster, it'll be because of his special teams ability. And, and not um, only that, but the guy's so smart. He is. I mean, he might develop into a into a you know a player at the NFL level in the, in the defensive secondary. But I just. I don't know, but I do agree with you. I think he's got a great shot. I think he will at, at least be invited to a camp or a few camps, and he'll have a chance to, to show what he's got, and we'll go from there. But I, I definitely agree with you on that. Same thing with Nathan Jeffrey, man. Seeing what he did, his, his I guess it was his sophomore oh, year, right, against Oklahoma, that, when, that, when that, that year popped off like that. If he wouldn't have gotten hurt that year, 
jumping over he was hurdling somebody. I mean, <laughs> if he wouldn't have gotten hurt that year, I don't even know if we'd have Aaron Jones right now. That's true. You know what I mean? That's true. Because he was so good. And he still managed 897 yards. Yeah. And, well, cause, but he was hindered by that injury all year long. It lingered. It lingered. It lingered. But, you know, if he doesn't if – he, if he just has a healthy sophomore season, man, he probably rushes for 12, 13, 1,400 yards mm-hmm. maybe. You know? And, and then I don't know if it's as easy of a decision for the coaches to be like, hey, Aaron, you know, you could come over here and start. You know what I mean? Because I, I think it's kind of obvious at this point that they promised Aaron Jones something. I mean, with, with reason, with good reason, yeah. you know. But I'm saying when when you have – I think Aaron Jones had an offer from Boise, right? New, New Mexico. No, 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 you're thinking of Jack Fields. That's oh, that's right. Fields? No, no. Whatever. It don't matter. He had a couple offers, and, and I think I think they promised Jones something for him to, for him to stay home. But Jeffrey, man, he showed his ability, his ability early on in his career – and and I think he deserves a shot at the NFL level. I mean, he was productive. He's physical. He can, he has speed. I mean, he's he was kind of delegated to a power back the past couple yeah. years, but he's, he's a complete not. back. He's not. He's a, he's a complete back. He's, he's not a power back. back, and he's not your speedy back. But he's a complete back. He's got a little bit of everything. And, and special teams, that's another thing. That's another we're going to keep hitting on as we roll down these guys. If he can prove he can play special teams. And running backs are huge, man. Yeah. You know, as a Cowboy fan, we're talking about, about uh, you know, and my family and whatnot. We got a, a group message going. And right now it's all about, well, who are we going to sign now? You know, are they going to be able to sign DeMarco Murray? And I, my thoughts are not like you, you can't afford that back. And in the NFL nowadays – it's hard to pay those backs top dollar, man, no. even as good as they are because the position is so volatile. Look at you Trent know? Richardson. Yeah, it, but there's a there's a hundred of them, dude, that they, they, it's just from one second to the next, one no. season to the next, they're done. They're, their career's done. They're never the same back, whatever it is. And, you know, a guy like Nathan Jeffrey could be a, a sleeper-type guy that comes really? in. Really? I think a really There's a lot of teams that, that are now using two and three backs, you know, and he can find himself on a practice squad and work his way into the rotation a Joe little bit. Joe Banyard. Joe Banyard, exactly, you know. And so I, I think I think Nathan Jeffrey's one of those kind of guys, man. Definitely, definitely. Moving on the – you know, I, I just he, – he will be – he will. Just, he will be in a camp next year. I just don't get how they did not use Ian I know, Hamilton man. even I know. more. I mean, I, like I wrote the stats in there. The dude had twenty something catches for five hundred yards. That's twenty one yards a yeah, pop. That's ridiculous. And and what's crazy about it is it wasn't like the catches are like breakaway. Like it's not like they're, they're catching him in the open. A lot of them are like this right here, where he just goes up and gets the ball, and that's the end of the play. And you know what, man? I mean. He um, deserves a huge I, – I, like I wrote in there, an NFL executive is not a legit NFL executive if he doesn't at least put on five minutes of Ian Hamilton's yeah. game film. Maybe not even invite him to a combine, not, you know, hey, come out and work out for us, catch some passes from one of our third or fourth quarterbacks. Just look at a film yeah. on Ian Hamilton and not just his receiving, his blocking. Kugler talked about it last year. They used him too much in blocking situations where they had to cut his reps down so he can have that, that win. He deserves out of. I mean, you could, any we have a, a strong case for any of these guys, but Ian Hamilton physically, I mean, you can't. I, go I, I agree, man. Just number one, his size and his hands. Period. Like that's it. That's all you got to look at, man. The guy's got the guy's six five, dude. And, and with a, with he's not a real fast bat, I mean, a real fast wide receiver, but he's got some. He's, he's tried. Got some, he's got some, some tries. He, he's he's quick. Let's put it that way. And with with his hands. Every time there was a play, you know, you you beg for it all season. You're like, just just one time, just throw it out to him. And every time they would, 
He'd go up and get 50, it. 50 ball most and, of the time. And he'd go up and get it. If you think about it, how many corners in college football, I mean, now you're moving on to the NFL, even in the NFL, how many, college, how many NFL corners are above 6'2"? It's rare that you see that. You know, you got a couple big guys like in Seattle and whatnot, 6'3", guys, whatever, but to, to a 6'5 wide receiver is gold, man. And I mean, and, I think, and not only that, but the way the NFL is kind of kind of changing with with the demographics of of the tight end, you know, like I said, if a team isn't watching film, can maybe say, hey, let's put ten fifteen pounds on this guy and let's try him at tight end. Yeah, it's true. because you don't necessarily have to block that much with with all these unbalanced lines and, and you see. I mean, look more, at a guy like Jimmy Graham, bro. Yeah, exactly, you know what I mean. Exactly. I mean, I got to even play college football, but I, I'm saying that he he has a chance. I would honestly, if you're asking me and putting money, I would think you'd have a higher chance as a tight end. You're probably right. Th- th- than a receiver, but you're he still right. has the skills, and he deserves somebody to flip on his damn game film and give him at least a look, man. Good luck to Ian. Definitely. Josh Bell coming up next, another Tweener. another guy. Yeah, he he's a guy that – he just had a – to me, he just had a really, really good season doing the little things. Yeah. I mean, he only had 200 yards rushing, but he was big on passing downs, had some big power back, downs. Good power blocker. Back. Did always got the drives off to positive starts with four or five yards every carry. Special teams was one was like like I wrote in there. If there was an all CUSA special teams coverage team or return team, Bell's hands down first team guy. But you know he, he's a long, he's probably the longest shot out of all of them. Yeah. But he deserves a look with the year that he had. Adrian James, another guy, six six foot corner. You know, a lot. I expected a lot out of Adrian yeah. Adrian James this year, and he did have a decent season. You know what I mean? But he it, had his he had his values. Yeah, he did, man. And and I was maybe disappointed is too hard of a word, too harsh of a word, but I was kind of disappointed in in the way the season turned out. I felt like we needed him a lot more yeah. than he came through for especially us, especially in the bowl game. Especially yeah. in the bowl and, game. And I mean, again, he had a good year, but I was expecting from him a fifth year senior. I was expecting a great year. Yeah. And it just didn't come. But you know what? He he deserves a look as well. Yeah, he'll get his chance. I think he he I think he's also a tweener though. I don't yeah. know if he's gonna be invited to a camp or not. He, but he, he may he may find himself at a combine, but I mean he just he's a four year guy. He's a top one hundred guy coming out of high school. Those guys usually kinda get just a little bit of a glimpse. But yeah, I, yeah. I agree with you. Jamil Irving, six two, D back. What do you think, man? I mean, I think Jamil's got a shot. I think but... Jamil's got a shot because, like I said at the end of, of of his description, he has really long arms. You know, he has for a six-two guy, he has really long arms. He's athletic. You know, he he played at a very prestigious junior college. And another thing that we got to look at again, I mean, Coach Cougar has some NFL connections. Yeah, well, there's an NFL because I think he's an NFL specimen. Not saying he's an NFL talent. No, yeah, especially he's six-two. Yeah, six no doubt. Two and he can move. And we saw with that tip pick that he does. I mean, mm-hmm. there's talent there. So I think it may be a Cougar to kind of help him. Find a team, maybe somebody. Hey, I, I need a, I need a safety for a training camp. Yeah, let's just get him some game film. That's a guy. That's that's what I can feel, Jamil. I can, is, so. I can agree with that. Good luck to all these guys, man. I hope to see him. Uh, hope to see him in training camp. That'll be great. Even in mini camp, be great to cover these guys. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Well, football season's over. Obviously, not the NFL just yet, but college football's officially over after Oregon fell to Ohio State in a shocker, man, in my opinion. I mean, not that – not look, Ohio State played great down the stretch. It was impressive. It, it was amazing what Urban Meyer did with that amazing. team. Amazing. But, you know, their run was impressive down the stretch, the way they beat Wisconsin, the way they beat Alabama, and, and they, they just demolished all three of them, Wisconsin, Alabama, and, and Oregon. Like, who saw that coming, man? And, and the most surprising to me is how they frustrated Mariota. He yep. couldn't get in that rhythm running yep. – Passing Urban Meyer is a genius. I will never, ever friendly bet against Urban Meyer <laughs> the rest of my life. Not that I lost one or nothing, but just saying that guy, he knows his football. He knows what he's doing. He's no a proven winner. 
With the end of football ah, season, though. Sadly, I'm, I, mean, I love I love UTEP basketball. That's my number. I'm a big Raider fan. But you nothing comes before UTEP basketball, but I football know. season, college football season. I'm gonna miss you. I know, man. I know. But we're going on to some college basketball. Let's talk about the minors, bro. Um, let's start here, though. Real quick, just real quick, just had to mention it. I know, I see it's been a while since we talked about UTEP basketball. And like, it has been. It has I feel been. like I almost want to get my frustrations out, but I'll let you go ahead, man. Let's just, I just want to touch on this real quick. I mean, there are two out of 380 nominees for this prestigious award, but uh, our, our two 2015 signees, Paul Thomas, Christian Romine, nominated for McDonald's All-American Honors, having huge senior years for their for their high school. They're kind of in the middle of playoff runs, I guess you could say, in their district play, conference play, league play, however you want to mention it. But good to see these guys getting that type of recognition. All that's going to mean I is think stars Thomas, are going to I think up. Thomas has a chance, man. You think? I think he does, too. I think he has a chance. I think he has a, he's had a couple double-doubles this year. He's had some – he's pretty – I want to say he's averaging anywhere in between 16 or 18 points. His, his father tweets out his game uh, stats every, every game, and it seems it's between 16 and 18. Now, I agree with you. I mean, Romine's a little bit more of a project, but Thomas is a guy that could come in and be a conference player of the year, even in the Big 12, possibly, as he was getting looked at. But, no, yeah, I agree with you, though, for sure. On uh, on basketball recruiting note, um, I can't think of his name off the top of my head. Help me out here with uh, with um, Omega's former teammate. Oh, you know what? I, I've seen him around on Twitter, but I that, I'm just like you with that one. I think... I think that could be a real. Have you seen any videos? I have. I, I haven't. That's as that's as far as I've gone. I haven't even looked at any videos of this guy. I haven't, but he's got. He's getting a lot of of interest. And I know what you're talking about too. He retweets a lot of our stuff too on the way every time we talk about Omega. And I'm just I'm just thinking like he's kind of under the radar in a in a way, kind of like Omega was. I realized Omega was was highly touted in Oklahoma, but. Kind of under the radar, and and I think that could Tyson be Tyson Jolly. There you go, there you go, Ty that's Jolly. Right yep, two. Yeah, that's him. That's him, Jolly. Um, I think he could be a big time pickup for this team, man. I think I think the chemistry between him and Omega would be big, and I just I don't know, man. I think you know with with Irvin being a senior next year, I think that guy could come in and play some some two, and and be that shooter that. That we're gonna need, and not only that, but you got Lee Moore. That the Lee Moore, I mean, yeah, that's true. This team's really gonna be guard heavy, and a guy like Tyson Jolly, like I, I can't even sit here and, and tell you what, what you know. You can open I can't up, really break him down, but I'm looking at look at the, the he's getting some offers or some some looks from Oklahoma, Tulsa, you know. So so the people the people in Oklahoma know what he's about, and he's so, you, the way that I'm looking at him right now. And I think now, he's six four, right? Or, yeah, he's six four. And the way I'm looking, he's kind of like an Omega with yeah. his offers, with being a three star, exactly, being you know, exactly. And then and that's what I'm saying. He could kind of be that sleeper pick, man. And then add to that the 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 chemistry that they would already have. And you look at it, and it's kind of like like uh, I mean, I kind of feel like the situation with the uh, Marquel Jackson, you know, kind of. Coming coming from consortium prep, you know Vince Hunter, and and even uh, what's his, what's uh, Williams. Matt Williams, you know, is out there, and so you got you got these guys. There's a reason they kind of tap into those same places. Pipeline, you know what I mean? Yeah. Those same pipelines. I mean, I mean, you look you look at uh, Terry Wynn. They're also going after Lyric Shire yeah. and Kingsley Ogru or whatever. And, and once you start getting that pipeline set and cemented, it's a little easier for that to start flowing through there. You know yeah. what I mean? 
And so, so I think we got a chance of getting this guy. I think he could be a real, I wouldn't say sleeper, three stars and really a sleeper, but I think he could be a real big time pickup for us. And it's, it's an immediate pickup because it, it, it's so late in the process. You really don't hear a lot about 2015 yeah. guys at this point, but, but you are hearing about the, the, that. The other 2015 guy, a uh, guy that I wrote about last week that UTEP offered, and I think this is a really, really smart offer by the coaches, Connor Clifford, the seven-footer. He's a JUCO guy, yeah. former uh, UC Irvine signee, Solid, yeah. played a year there at UC Irvine, redshirted, and then decided to transfer. He's going to have two years of eligibility. You know, the knock on him, I haven't seen any video, but just from here, reading uh, old message board chatter from his UC Irvine days, he is a little slow. He has conditioning problems. He has, I don't want to say um, athletic problems or being overweight, but he is a little slow. But, I mean, who can use a seven-foot a seven foot space eater? alongside Matt Williams for defensive yeah. purposes. I don't think – I could probably think Floyd probably could care less about his offensive game, what he's losing in a Cedric, in a Cedric Lane that's kind of – I'm about to say Cedric Hunter. <laughs> in a Cedric Lane who's shown defensively what he could do. So Connor Clifford's another guy. And, and I know that they were really – I just noticed little trends on Twitter when you hear coaches are – scouting versus before you hear, oh, first they just straight up offer. Yeah. So there was something the coaches had to take a couple of weeks to kind of go over. Maybe it was a guy like Tyson Jolly. Maybe they wanted to kind of see, you know, hey, you know, we maybe we, they offered him. They kind of, you know, it's, it, recruiting is so many things playing into it. Yeah. To see them wait a little late for Connor Clifford. But that's a guy that I would love to have. As good as, as Tyson Jolly can be watching this film here, I mean, I, really, I, I think Connor Clifford would, would fit into what UTEP needs the most next season. Yeah, I can I can agree with that. But you know what? Moving on to this season, coming back to this season, um, it seems like you're not happy with an eleven and five, three and one. You know what? Normally, normally people would would you know if you if you tell people like, hey, your team's going to be eleven and five and three and one in conference play midway through the year, you'd be like, damn, that's that's not a bad record. You know, that's that's, that's pretty good. What's most disappointing, man, is just how sporadic this team has played. You know what? Julian Washburn at times has looked terrible, and at times he's looked amazing. Like you know, the last the last couple of games against uh, was it? I think Rice. He yeah, had a 13, spurt where he just, he just he just he just was just knocking down everything, and it's just and it like was coming to him. He wasn't forcing it. Yeah, and, and but it just looks so smooth though when he shoots. It's that smooth like Jew that we've seen in the past, and but it's it's so sporadic, and I'm like, I don't I don't understand it, man. I, I think what it is too is what is what. We're seeing is it coming from the veteran guys, guys that we didn't, guys that we expected to have. I mean, we, I, I'm I'm looking at this La Tech game and C.J. Cooper is throwing up these floaters and not even, and he's not even close to hitting rim, you know. And he's the guy that his defense, I you cannot knock a minute of C.J.'s defense this year, but his offensive game has taken five steps back. But it's it's, to, it's so weird, it, man. It, it is, it's, it's, and I can understand that a lot more of the you know everything's kind of running through Vince. You know what I mean? And I understand that takes away from other guys, but but more than just because I'm I'm not, I'm not just trying to knock on Drew or CJ or any one person. My my qualm was more with the entire offense, and that's with Floyd, man. Because I watched that game against Louisiana Tech, and it's happened at many other times throughout the season, but they just looked uninspired. They just didn't look like they wanted to to move, like go for any loose balls. You know, it seemed like almost every other possession we we're coming down to the shot clock. You know, running out two, three seconds on the shot clock, and we're just tossing up a shot, and not even not even close to being not even close. Shot. And and I just it was disgusting, bro. To be honest with you, 
you know, I got into it a little bit with with a hobby on on the on the comments. Just not really got into it, but like you know, we were kind of doing what back we do on forth. the run. Yeah, doing what we do, but going back and forth about because you know he disagreed with me about you know my take on LaTeX because I was very very disappointed with the effort, and he was like, you know what, well, is just a better team. And you know what, you're right. On that night, there's no doubt about it. On that night, Louisiana Tech was the better team, and I'm not taking that away from them. They were there. They went to win the game. They executed well, and and they won the game. But when you tell me coming into the game that a team like Louisiana Tech is going to score 58 points on you, is going to get four points out of their bench, shoot 37% shoot 37 in, the first half. in the first half and just over 40 for the game. While we're shooting 50% at halftime. You know, I would have said we won by 10. Nope, easily. We won by 10. And for us to score 45 points, bro, like it, it was, I don't, I don't understand it, man. And it was one thing when it was Arizona. It was another thing when it was Colorado State and Washington, New Mexico State. And there's, it just seems like there's always these. Well, that was a great team, and you always get these responses, these answers. Well, you know, they played well, they executed, blah blah blah. You just get these like generic answers out of Floyd, or the, or just you get these generic reasons out of why they lost the game. And it's just like, it's, it's frustrating, man. It's frustrating because. To me, it's it's so much more than just the other team executing. When I see a lack of effort from our team, oh, and it's it's just like kind of to me. I parlayed parlayed this into what Floyd said after the game of what schematically LaTeX was doing, which was switching on screens. And Floyd said, "Well, we hadn't seen that all year. We weren't prepared. You know what I mean? You, you just weren't prepared. You, you, it, it, this is." Division One basketball, where you should have a plan B, or or not only that, but your four year guy to should me, understand how to to navigate off of a switch screen. I mean, just, like you said, just lame, lame, kind of not not really excuses, but I mean, it just it is. It's a, it's a weak, a weak excuse. And and what what's worse about it is that to me, just watching that game, you're not in. You know, I'm not I'm I'm not in the game. I'm watching it from the outside looking in. It's not about not being able to adjust to to what the other team's doing, it was a la- it was a complete lack of effort, man. Oh, and that was his reason. And we just we couldn't adjust. But so you couldn't adjust, and you just stopped playing. You that's know what, what I mean? That's, like it, it, that's it, what I saw. It, that's exactly it's just what like, I saw. It doesn't make sense. There was man. no there was no fire. There was no big timeout. Like, the one look, the get, one the one that ass. I did see some fire from was Vince. Oh yeah, because he was in. diving after loose balls and whatnot. And I think we've never have ever have to question that about. Vince, yeah, ever. I agree. But it. it we should, dude. Honestly, you want to know my honest opinion? I'm a homer, whatever. But we should be undefeated right now. As, I mean, we're, and you can say that we should have lost Arizona. Fine, maybe we should have. I mean, the 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 whole thing with Vince happened where he fouled out and some questionable calls. But if you want to throw that in there, fine. But other than that, there's really not a game that we should have lost. We had Washington down by five with three minutes to go, and we lost. We had a terrible game against Colorado State. Came back to take a lead, and we still lost. NMSU, they have half their team not in the game, and we still lose, you know? And then Louisiana Tech, we score 45 points. Like, you know, that is on us, man. Not on – not not to me, that's not on what the other team did. It's on what we, what we didn't do. And, you know, granted, hey, great, we saw them rebound and, and play well against Southern Miss and win 74-40. But what does that mean? Like, Southern Miss – Southern Miss might lose out. Yeah, like, Southern Miss has become the worst team in, in, in Conference USA – you should beat them by 30. No. But if you don't beat them by 30, there's deeper problems than what we're just talking about. Yeah, here. and, you know, I was talking to my pops during the game. So we're at the Southern Miss game, and I'm, like, kind of pointing out to him because I was talking to him about the Louisiana Tech game, telling him, like, during the game, I'm like, where's the effort? Like, where, you know, where's the fire? Where's the want? And, and 
then we go to the Southern Miss game, and I'm like, that's what I'm talking about, you know? And he's like, well, yeah, but the shots are falling. And I'm like, that's true. You know, I, I, can, I can agree with that when the shots fall, whatever. But my thing is, when you want to, when you put in that effort, then you play better and the shots fall. It, it's like when you're watching the game. And, you know, you may have, this, this for instance, Kentucky and A&M, that, that triple overtime game. You know, A&M deserved to win that game because every, they did everything right. They hustled for every loose ball. They closed out every defensive possession with a rebound. They got a hand in everybody's face. And, and, and that's, I, exa- I had the same exact conversation with my pops. It, it's kind of like whenever, when you're doing everything right besides shooting and passing, Things should go your way, yeah. and, and that's and you're exactly right, and that's what happened. I mean, yeah, I, can I get an amen from the church? Can I get an amen? I'm gonna high five. It's, it's really perfect. I mean, it just that's just how it goes, and I know Floyd teaches that because it's like a 360. Because a game like Washington, when UTEP did everything right to grab that five point lead, and then it just disappeared. A game like Colorado State to climb back from a 15 point lead. A game like Arizona where you're down, but you do every little thing right, every hustle stat. You may have not won every hustle stat, but God damn it, you played pretty well in every hustle stat to get to a five-point advantage, to get a two-point lead with 13 minutes to go. But no, I agree with you. That's really going to be the key for this team. If they play hard, they have the length, they have the athleticism. If they play hard every night, every game, even if they have a bad shooting night, every game should go down to the last second as good as this team is. And you hit it right on the head, bro. Well, you got a tough road trip coming up, man. We were supposed to talk to, to Jared Kalmus about this upcoming UTSA game that's, that's going to happen this Saturday, January 17th, um, 1 p.m. Mountain Time. But, yeah, as you say, work calls. Jared, Jared Kalmus was called into work, so he wasn't able to make it on the podcast tonight. But that's – I mean, other than Marshall, it's not going to be an easy road swing because, first of all, UTSA doesn't have a very good team. Let's, let's, put, let's, let's be honest about that. But – that's that's not you. That's not Southern Miss. No, you know what I mean. And and so we're not going to be able to play like we played against Louisiana Tech, and especially and expect to come away with the win. Um, so I, you know, you start off with a game against UTSA where that you should win, but you very well could lose if you don't come out and play the way you should. And then you go to Western Kentucky, which at this point, and you know, I know nobody else was on the same page with me, but to me, Western Kentucky's playing the best basketball match. Oh, I, I agree. I, I I think what you're saying is. You're, you're, nobody's the same point to put them number one, yeah. but there's no denying that they are playing the best basketball right now in Conference USA, hands down for sure. And so you got that real tough matchup next Thursday, and then you finish up your your three game road trip with with the game at Marshall. So I mean, look, this is a, this is a road trip that we easily should go two and one. I mean, it shouldn't even be a question in my in my mind. Um, but you slip up, man, and you let a team like Marshall or UTSA in, and you might be coming back one and two, or you know. It, God forbid, 0-3. Yeah, that UTSA game is scary. I mean, this is a team that has four guys averaging double figures. You talk about them not being good. Yeah, they're not. They're just so inconsistent. You know, there's some games where it basically they kind of live and die by the three from watching them against Southern Miss. When they were hitting three-pointers, it looked like they were the San Antonio Spurs, for yeah. lack of a better uh, whatever you want to call it, adjective, whatnot. But, I mean, this is a team that UTEP can't break down. But they do have some size. They have a seven-footer, Kaya Born Sherman. That's a guy that you're going to see. He's a starter. Um, another guy that I saw out there, James Ringhold. This guy's he's like a he's like a Matt Wilms, but I mean he's like a 
Baylor's soft pillow type of guy. I mean, like Matt softer Wilms. Than, softer than soft. <laughs> uh, and so, I mean, those two guys, they kind of, you know, they, they, those are two guys that may be factors. But then the, the big factor, a guy that nobody saw last year out of UTSA, Jerome Hill, this is a really talented player. He's a, he's a back-to-the-basket kind of a face-up guy, can rebound, can score it at will. I mean, this team can score inside. They're going to work it around. They're going to look. The, the weird stat that they have, they have almost as many free throws made as their opponent's attempt, but they shoot so many damn three-pointers where it's like, how in the hell yeah. does that happen? So, I mean, this is a team that can give UTEP problems. They match up with UTEP size-wise, but I think that talent differential is, is definitely, definitely. Well, I think those, those threes – those threes were definitely an issue against Louisiana Tech, um, but and and I shouldn't say but I should say also against Rice those threes were an issue as well because that was the only reason Rice was even in that game, which to me was another terrible. I mean to to let Rice back in that game was just inexcusable, man. But you know that's that's another point we don't even touch on that. But um, yeah, man, I hear I hear you with UTSA, and it is kind of odd that you that you find a team that shoots so many free throws because you'd expect that to be a team that really attacks the basket, you know, getting to the line. But um, if they're able to shoot a lot of free throws and knock down some threes, it's going to be a tight and, one. And usually that means we're that's probably we're in foul trouble. Yeah, which, and, and which we can't. I which mean, team, with the eight, you know, what's crazy is right we now. came into this season thinking that this was going to be a ten, to eleven deep. You bench. Can go back to our podcast. Yeah, and, we and, and now we're like. Seven, eight, eight, you know. Yeah. Well, Floyd said with, with Stalwart being out, we're eight man rotation, and, and it kind of dumbfounds me because it's like does Floyd like that back against the wall mentality? I think so. I, man. Th- I think he does. I think he thrives off of it. A lot of people on Twitter, a lot of these, uh, you know, uh, an- analysis, the, these higher up guys from CBS are like Floyd's at his best when he's his back against the wall. The, the biggest cheerleader in UTEP history, Steve Yellen, says it, it may be true. But, I mean, it, you just it, it's kind of weird. It really is weird with a guy like Terry Wynn, serious back injury going out, a guy I thought could really give you good five to ten minutes, give Julian a blow, give Stead a blow, even give Vince a blow. So running eight deep, that's kind of scary with a team like UTSA with four scores that are averaging double figures. And then the way that they have their offense, they're a really ball movement predicated offense where UTEP, they can't slide their feet. They're going to have to play good man-to-man defense. On the offensive side, they're going to zone the hell out of UTEP. So we got to be able to hit shots from the outside. I wrote about Vince Hunter, his jump shot that we're kind of seeing being more confident with. Speaking of, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's no question about that. But speaking of of hitting some shots, man, how big has Urban Morris been? Huge. I mean, if Urban Morris isn't on the team, we probably lose to Rice. We maybe get that that score against North Texas gets a little gets a little closer, and and we don't we don't beat Kent State. That's that. That's yeah, much. I mean, you know. What I find crazy is that it seems like all these other schools can always find shooters, and for whatever reason, UTEP can't. Or Floyd can't. Or Floyd can't. I don't know what it is. But we've had some scorers in the past, but we rarely have, like, these real consistent shooters. I mean, Connor Tucker was here, but that was a real short-term thing. That was a stopgap guy that, like I said, already turned out to be better yeah. than we expected. But I would say we go back as far as Miguel Ayala. Yeah. But as the last... Pure shooter UTEP had, and that was the, with the Sadler era. I believe the so. end of the Sadler era. I believe era. so. But you know, Urban Morris has become a shooter for us, man. A shooter, and that's 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 such a big weapon when you got a guy like like Vince Hunter, man, on on the block. And I just I don't understand for the life of me how this team isn't better than they are. 
I just I don't. I, I would say more consistent. I'm gonna go consistent. It's it's really consistency with but, the team because we've seen how great that they can be. We've seen how the stretches they play. But but really, but really, but really, honestly, name one game that we saw them play a complete game. <laughs> the two blowouts with Alcorn State and Southern Miss. I mean, but but but, but, but that's that's to your point though. You know, that's. I mean, maybe Incarnate Word. Yeah. But I think even we started slow against Incarnate Word, if I'm not mistaken. That, yeah, that was but a, you look back at every single game, Washington State, New Mexico State, Princeton was a battle, Xavier was a battle, and Xavier's not as good as people thought they were going to be. I'm sorry. You know, Floyd wants to talk about, oh, I, you know, I think Xavier's going to be a top 25 team. At the no time, way. maybe they were, but not No now. way. No way are they going to be a top 25 team. And and we struggled with them. I mean, it was it's still a big win for us, and we were able to pull it out, but... There's, there hasn't been, like, when are you going to put together a complete performance? When are you going to put 40 minutes together? Because if this team could put 40 minutes together, there is nobody in Conference USA that can hang with them. And that, I think that's what's, what is the most disappointing. And I understand you're, you're never going to play a perfect game. You know, there's always going to be mistakes and missed shots and whatever. But, but when are you going to get even close to playing a complete game? I just I haven't seen it and it's very frustrating, man. It's very frustrating. I mean, you got and you, you the thing about it is you have you, even though we want to see them turn it on now, they still have a little bit more time before the Charlottes and the Old Dominions come in. But you don't want to get caught slipping against a FAU on the road yeah. or you know UAB, even though they're out to a three and zero start. But that's a team you should beat at home. And th- that inconsistency, I think, is just going to lead to bad losses. A New Orleans last year, for an example. I mean, they, they just got to be able to because I just like you're saying, I believe if they can put that together for two straight games, then that's that role that we've kind of been waiting for this team to get on that consistent role where they're putting that back-to-back 40-night effort and dominating and turning heads and, and having people say, oh, look at what UTEP did to, to Marshall on the road or look what UTEP did on the yeah. last road trip. You, you know what's know? crazy, man? You asked me You asked me maybe like, let's say, after the Arizona game, I would have probably told you that this team was going to start 14-0 in conference. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't even say we both maybe had that flirted with that conversation. You know, we and, and I mean, obviously Western Kentucky is playing a lot better than they were at that point. So that, that kind of throws a wrench into it. But, you know, you had you look at the opening stretch. You have Louisiana Tech at home. You have UAB, Middle Tennessee at home. You got Charlotte and ODU at home. So, really, like, the first true test, well, obviously, Western Kentucky, but we're kind of, you know, throwing that aside. At that point, we didn't know that much about Western Kentucky. But so putting that aside, your first true test that you thought was going to be at Louisiana Tech on February 26th. <laughs> and now you look at the schedule and you're like, okay, you're still 3-1, and one, but – you might not come back from this. You might come back from this road trip one and two. You could. You could. You know, and all of a sudden, you're at four and three in conference play. You know, and then you got Middle Tennessee coming in. You should beat them, but you never know. You know, it's like you're talking about slipping up against an FIU or an FIU on the road. You could. A Charlotte, an ODU. You, you might end up with six or seven losses all of a sudden, you know, heading down the stretch of conference. And th- that, shouldn't, it, that shouldn't even be a question with this team. There's too much talent for that to even be a possibility, man. Not, but there, and there's talent on the sidelines that we – on paper, but we got to see that kind of come together and get – It ain't guys. even on paper, man. It's not even on paper. Not at all. you got Vince Hunter who is at this point hands down – I'm talking about the coaches. I, I, oh, I don't know yeah, them too. I mean, I'm, I'm just saying like the, the – you, know, you they, talk about the talent they have on the court, though. You talk about Vince Hunter, who is, in my opinion, at this point, the hands-down player. If the season ended today, Vince Hunter is the player of the year. You know, you got Cedric Lang, who, you know, he's not, you know, averaging 20 points, but the guy's averaging 10 points and six boards a game. He's 
he's lived up to his expectations. That's kind of what we asked him. Exactly what we asked of him. You know, Cooper, Washburn, inconsistent. You know, and those two guys. Those are the guys we expected to become maybe, 50, legit 15 point a night guys. Maybe we, I'm going to say this. Maybe we asked too much of Coop. Because Cooper was forced into a scorer role last year. When before that, he really was more of a shooter. Like his earlier years, he was more of a shooter. And he, he, could, he could put up 9, 11 points a game, 12, 15, maybe go off one game for 15, 18 points. But last year, he was thrust into the, I need you to score that many again. And run the show. And run the show. So I think after seeing that, we might have expected too much of him this year. We might have expected 15 out of him when that wasn't very realistic. But Washburn should be right there with Vince Hunter, man. There's no, there's, there's, I mean, Washburn should easily be averaging double figures, which he's not. Um, and that's got to be a big Morris, Morris has been huge. There's, to me, there's just there's, there's so many pieces on this team, man. I mean, Wilms. Is, you haven't even talked about Omega. Yeah, we haven't <laughs> even talked about Omega. You know, there's so many pieces, man, on this team. And for them to be kind of just sputtering is, is it's, it's mind-blowing, and it's like man. you're saying, I, from, from the outside, people are probably like, oh, well, that's not bad for you to have 11-5. But like you said, it just, in, in my word, this has been too inconsistent. The sputtering is probably the perfect way to describe that. I mean, you, but they got you got to turn that on now, though, you know, because you still have an opportunity to, to get a regular season conference championship. Right. But you got to get on a roll. you got to get that together right now. I agree, man. I agree. I, I, could probably, I could probably bitch about this all night, dude, oh, so I'll, yeah. I'll stop. But <laughs> let's, let's, let's move on just a little bit. Let's start to wrap this up. I just want to touch on this real quick, another post that you put up on Minor Rush talking about Vince Hunter and his, and his jump shot. You know, I think it's still a little bit early to say that he's developed a jump oh, shot. Oh, yeah, way too early. He's hit a couple threes now on the season, and we saw that little elbow jumper that he had last game. But – um, to me, three, four weeks ago, you know, starting the season, seeing how he was tearing it up, and especially after what he did to Arizona in mid-December, um, it, it was like almost a guarantee that Vince Hunter was leaving early and that he's he's going to be a first-round draft pick and whatnot. I don't, I don't really see that anymore. No. And, and it's not that he's not talented enough. Not this enough. year. Exactly. But I'm starting to realize that he does need to mature a little bit. And he does, because a lot of times he, he kind of gets impatient. Like, if you see Vince, when he gets, grabs a board, he starts heading up court. And he's like, let's roll. Head down. Let's go. And, and, and if, if the rest of the team isn't there and he's kind of looking around, he'll, he'll attack the basket. And that's something that you kind of got to work at because we've seen him pick up some offensive fouls. And, you know, and, and or if not just pick up an offensive foul, but maybe throw up a stupid shot, a, a shot that you're like, come on, Vince. Like, and the defense is still – and, and yeah. our offense is still getting there, so the transition Exactly. So, you know, that kind of stuff, you know, you need a little maturity. But it is the jump shot that, that's holding him back the most. And obviously he, he's showing that. He's starting to use it a little bit. He's starting to develop it. If he can develop that shot and stretch a jump shot out to 18, 20 feet, bro, he is lottery pick, hands down. But I do think it'll be next year. Yeah, I just think for this season – more of him make like I wrote in the write up. He doesn't have to shoot forty five percent, but he I, I, I just, be a threat. I, I, yes, because I, I noticed Latek every time. I mean, like I said, Latek did a hell of a job on UTEP defensively in their schemes. Vince's only move was a pump fake. 
But Mike White is a smart enough coach to say, look, don't buy into that. And and not just Mike White, but a lot of coaches are probably, look, don't buy it on the pump fake. Because he's going to take your body and he's going to make your – he's going to make our help guy a poster. Yeah. So if, if Vince can just make it a threat, and not only Vince, but Matt Wilms, yeah. that pump fake to me – That too, man. Yeah. And he, and he, hit the, he hit that one against Rice at uh, both the free throw line. What's crazy is he's a decent free throw shooter. Yeah. So you would think he'd be able to knock down a 16-footer. But he flashes to the free throw line, the elbow, and they give he it to him. Pass and he looks the pass. I'm like, dude. And he's not a bad passer. No, no, it's not that. It's not that. But you add a whole new element to your offense if your bigs can hit that shot. That's much because it draws point. the defenders away from the basket, and it'll, it opens things up back there, man. But, um, yeah, I agree, man. And then I, I think I, I agree with you on what you're saying about Mike White. Mike White is that his name? Yeah, Michael White. And and you know the rest of the coaches that they're just they're telling their guys, look, let him shoot it. Don't bite the don't bite on that pump. You look at that picture make in him, there and make you him see beat where, you. Where, where Michael Kaiser is and where Vince Hunter is on his release. I mean, I, like I said, these two last games weren't on film, so I didn't get the opportunity to go back. But that picture is all I need to know. Yeah. And what I saw where Vince is. Doing it two or three times in, in, in Kaiser, if, if this was pickup ball, you'd probably be laughing like, yeah. bro, I'm not biting on it. You're not going to shoot it. And, it, and, it's, and it's true. It just adds dimensions. And, and this team right now, desperately, we had that dimension with Urban Morris. That's huge. If we can get Vince Hunter and Matt Williams to kind of step out and take that jump shot with some confidence, that's going to go down on film. And then when they go in, teams are going to have to start respecting that and having to get it a little bit. And that's going to take – I mean, LaTeX just crowded the paint. They just packed the paint, and we couldn't get a post touch in there just off a of basic offensive yeah. set. So with, I mean, that, if they can get that in but there, you know what? Keep, that's, keep that's where you got to start hitting some. And I don't mean to go back. That's where you got to start hitting some threes yeah. and stretch that defense out to open up the, the, you know, open it up down low. But you know what? That's that's a topic we've already talked that's about. Some, that's the topic that has to develop itself. Let's move on. Let's start wrapping it up, man. Real quick, let's run down these Conference USA basketball power rankings. Coming in I number know. one, Louisiana Tech. Isn't they're deserving? They're deserving. Yeah. Twelve and four, three and zero. Oh. Uh, they got five of the nine first place votes. One hundred and twenty one points overall. Uh, they'll be at. They'll be up against UAB this Big week game. and uh, night. And they got a couple of tough tests this week. UAB at Middle Tennessee should be some a couple of tough games for them, but. Um, I mean, what else is there to be said about about you I mean, at La Tech, man? They're playing hot right now. They they got they. I still picked them number two, but they are playing hot right now. The way that they defend against UTEP, if they do that, the rest of the conference way undefeated it isn't. You can't say they can't go undefeated. Old Dominion comes in number two, 117. So they're right behind La Tech, 117 first place vote. I'm sorry, total points, three first place votes. Got my first place vote. And um, 13 and two, two and one overall. Obviously, they fell to Western Kentucky this past week. That's a team that, that held the top spot for like probably four weeks straight, something like that. After UTEP, well, it was UTEP number one, and then boom, and, Old Dominion and ever since. Old Dominion is still playing very good basketball, and I can't fault them for losing to, to, uh, a, good, to, a, to good, a very good yeah. Western Kentucky team. Um, which we'll, we'll jump into Western Kentucky right away. Just just moving on, number three, Western Kentucky, 113 points, one first place vote, which was me. Ten and five, three and zero in conference. Um, so, so just to take a step back here and talk about that Old Dominion Western Kentucky game, you know, Western Kentucky coming into the season was was a team that that we expected to be at the top of the league, and they started slow, so that's why they kind of drifted down. But to losses. see them playing much better over the last, I think I said there, I think I saw there were seven and one in the last eight yeah. games. They beat mm-hmm. they beat Ole Miss, they beat Charlotte, they beat Old Dominion. Now. Um, 
it's I think they're deserving of first place, in my opinion. I mean, they're playing the best basketball. And and that one loss was against Louisville, which they it was a slugfest mm-hmm. almost literally. If you saw <laughs> yeah. Montrez Harrell yeah. and, and I can't remember the dude's name from Old Dominion, Fant, but was it? is it was it Fan? Was it George Fan? They they pretty much threw hooks and, and Harrell got ejected and whatnot, but they went toe-to-toe with Louisville, and, and every time Louisville would get it up to 10, 11 points, they'd get it right back down to five, six points, and, and it was like that the entire game. And I wouldn't say that the game was never was ever in jeopardy for Louisville, but Western Kentucky showed that they've got a lot of fight, they've got some shooters, they've got some playmakers, and they're going to make a lot of noise in Conference USA. And it showed this past week when they knocked off Old Dominion, and Old Dominion started off pretty good in that game. They had... I don't know if they ever got it by double digits, but they were up seven or eight points, I think, and early on. The and then it flipped, yeah. exactly. And then they just could I think, never come I, back. I don't know the time, but it was about, it was about in the 20s, early in the first half when it flipped. And then things started going Western Kentucky's way. The, like you said, shooters, they hit a couple. Trancy Jackson hit a couple mm-hmm. shots. I know uh, TJ Price had a couple big and one. So did Fant. And, that, yeah, that game was – I'm thinking here Old Dominion was going to do what Western Kentucky was doing in that second half to him. And that was impressive. George Fant, to me, is a damn good player. He's like a smaller, less athletic monster of a Vince Hunter, but he's so active. He's so active down there in their shooters. I really like Western Kentucky. I don't watch out for them on the road next I Thursday. Agree. Um, this next, these next three teams, it's kind of a mess. You have four, which in my opinion... It's four, it's four and, and going down. Yeah, but, you know, in my opinion, you could even put UTEP higher than that. Not because of, they don't deserve to be higher than that right now, but in my opinion, they are one of the better yeah. teams in the conference. They will fin- In my opinion, they will finish top two. Yeah. But that's just my homer opinion. But, you know, it's kind of blurred at four through six because UTEP isn't playing all that well right now. Like, I almost struggled putting them that high at four. It's hard to argue anybody else below them because, like Charlotte, yeah. you look at Charlotte. Charlotte seven and eight, one and two, and you see that Charlotte has some talent and can and can you know make just like UTEP. You look at UTEP has the best talent. Charlotte may have be number two yeah. in talent. Yeah, you talk about a guy like Piaria Henry, but how do you put Charlotte number five? You know what I mean? Like it's hard. It's, it's seven and eight, one and two, and then you look beyond them and you're like, well, there's UAB and they're three and zero in conference. They're seven and nine overall. Now the UAB's played a damn. They played that tough schedule on the Bahamas. They played. They played some tough teams. They played UNC. They, they played, played LSU. They, they played Florida. Florida. They played. They played a lot of tough tough teams, but that's still a that UAB's a, a very young team, yeah. and they've kind of had an easy, somewhat easy start to their schedule, their conference schedule. I think. I think we'll see them start to fall off a little yeah, bit. I think that La Tech game will be telling. Because but they're playing hot right now, and if La Tech smashes them, yeah. You, to your point, Mark. I agree with you, man. And and we'll skip to number seven because those two teams were tied as we just mentioned Charlotte and UAB uh, number five but now coming in at number seven Middle Tennessee with seventy seven points nine and seven two and one in conference they got at Southern Miss and at La Tech this week so a chance to pick up a, a win and then a, pick up a bigger win and then a chance to pick up a bigger win exactly that's the one that can kind and, of put and them and they're on the one map. of those tweener teams that I've seen a lot of, a lot of our voters kind of. Somebody will have them at six, and then somebody will have them at nine. Yeah. And it's like the jury's still out because the six people are probably giving them that respect of Middle Tennessee, you know, they were at what they were last year. Yeah. But this year they've had scoring problems. They've had the big, big-time scoring problems. I think they had like 35 points in one game. Yep. And then they, I, for a stretch there, I want to say they didn't even touch over 40, over 50 points and maybe like a three- or four-game stretch. I'm just kind of winging yeah. it on that. But that's a team where I think a lot of voters this weekend, what they see against La Tech, you'll see their stock either raise or lower. FIU comes in at number eight with 58 total points, and you can see that drop off in points from from number seven, 77 down to 58. Um, And they got Marshall and Western Kentucky this week, both at home. They're eight and eight on the season. They 
correct me if I'm wrong, it was FAU that knocked off ECU and 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 UCF, right? Yeah. Or is, okay, because yeah. I get the the Florida schools mixed <laughs> up, but we're still not So Florida, so FIU then, I don't have the schedule in front of me, but FIU had a few non-division one opponents, and I think yeah. that kind of inflated their their wins there. But um, you know, coming in at number eight, it, it's it's so hard to rank these teams, man. Honestly, once get, like once you get past four, yeah, I mean, honestly, once you get past four, it's very very hard to, to rank these teams. That's why it's fun. I like to see. I always guess there's going to be a tie in there this season. Yeah. You, last year, you kind of dictated, but this year, it's like there's going to be one, at least one or two ties. Well, I mean, you look at, we already had a tie at fifth. Coming in at number nine is UTSA. We talked a little bit about them concerning the UTA game this week. They got UTPA. Actually, I guess they had UT Pan American. 43. Uh, like 60, 40-something. Um, but you look at the point totals between Florida International and UTSA, 58-56. So that's another one that came in real close. It just talks about, you know, how hard it is to really rank these teams. And, and I'm not ready to put UTSA into that top eight, top seven just yet. And honestly, I think UTSA, for our UTSA listeners, if there's any out there, this is the first time y'all broke into our top ten and yeah. our power rating. So congrats. <laughs> North Texas comes in at number ten. They got Charlotte and Old Dominion. That's going to be a tough one this week. FAU comes in at number 11. That's a team that I kind of – look, both ECU and UCF are not very good basketball teams. But they're still pretty decent wins. I mean, to go on – I think one of them was on the road. I think and UCF was on the road. So you go to UCF and you beat them, and then you come home and you beat ECU or vice versa, however it was. You know, those are a couple decent wins to get those your team – Those were top-level Yeah, quote-unquote, you know, to, to get your team rolling. And then they just kind of fell off, and now they're 7-7, 0-3 in conference already, and they got Western Kentucky coming up. That's going to be a tough one. And then you got Marshall. That's not going to be an easy one. Um, so we'll know a little more about Western, about Florida Atlantic excuse me, after this week. Uh, number 12, Rice, Old Dominion, and Charlotte, both on the road this week. That's that's a tough stretch, man. 4-10 and 10 already. They got to hit a lot of three-pointers on the road. <laughs> <laughs> Southern Miss comes in at 13, which is – very, it's, you know what it was with the voters. Marshall was fourteen last week, so it's kind of it, to me. I, I mean, I put them at thirty. If Marshall, looking at a grand look, Marshall has been competitive in some yeah, games, but Southern Miss is the worst team in conference USA, right? I now. just, I, you know, Southern Miss thirteen, Marshall fourteen. Uh, I wish you, you know luck, but it doesn't really matter. You could put them however yeah, you want. I mean, those, their, those their, the their cupboard is so dry there after they lost all their guys. I mean, it started with Aaron Brown. That team's struggling, but I mean, what's so disappointing, man? When you look at this, is just how bad the conference is overall. Yeah. I mean, like, I it kind of looked at the beginning of the year like it was going to be a pretty decent year for us. Oh. That we might even break through and get maybe three votes. Or, I mean, three teams into the into the tourney, but yeah, that that's not going to happen well, at all. Old Dominion, if Old Dominion wins out, and if you, as the only way I see it happening, if UTEP Old Dominion wins out, somehow they meet in the championship game. Winner goes on automatic. Loser, yeah. loser gets. And gets I, and I would even venture to say that UTEP would have to be the one to win, and yeah. you know, Old Dominion would have to be the one that loses, it's and they get that. Because where UTEP's RPI is sitting now, I mean, it it's just you know we always kind of tweet it out, and people kind of give us you know shit sometimes. It's too early, but I mean, it's the never RPI, too early. Man. RPI it's never matters. Early. In, I mean, you it, gotta maintain the thing that because you can. I understand so that that the actual number. If you want to just look at it in a vacuum, the number only matters come late February into March or whatever, mid-February into March. I realize that. But it's it's a tree. It's like a, it's like the roots of a tree. Yeah. And, and, and it happens throughout the season, and they just keep going in a different direction. And, and you have to kind of follow it and see what you're doing. And that's why all those games were so big, man. You know, in my opinion, this isn't this isn't an NIT year. This isn't a no. CBI year. 
this is a this is an NCAA tournament or bust. And and that's why I think for me I was so concerned with RPI because whether we want to think so or not, it means a lot to the committee. And we've we've really blown every single opportunity that we had to, to build a resume. You know, you beat Xavier, that's great. If you would have won that wooden legacy tournament, beat Washington that would have been huge. When the Washington went on the run that they did before they went. Yeah, and then, okay, so you lose to Washington. If you were to beat Colorado State and New Mexico State, you know, at least you swept New Mexico State and you beat a team in, in Colorado State that was undefeated. And that's going to compete you know, at the top of the mountain. Fine, West. you don't. You don't beat those teams. Now you got Arizona in the house. If you beat Arizona, that is your signature win. That's your ticket, almost guaranteed punch to the tournament. And you let it go, man. Louisiana Tech comes in, you're like, you're already on life support as it is. Now you gotta now you gotta basically win every single big game that you've got and not lose any games. Like that's almost where you're at for an automatic bid. So. And I'm sorry for for net large. And again, we lose to Louisiana Tech. So again, it's just it's been disappointing, man. We've kind of we've we've earned our own resume. Yeah, we really have, man. We really have. And now for us, it's it's down to Conference USA tournament or or bus. But that's the fun and the 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 good thing about it is the stretch of the season with all the home games. Which kind of makes it, if you want to say easy, you could say easy. And to me, it just makes it more manageable, I guess you could say, from looking at it. We're in January, but yeah, I agree with Look, you. Look, man, I the just shots were blowed. I just hope I'm in a better mood next week. I hope so too. Look, give me, give me. Well, actually, we're only, we only play Saturday, so maybe it ought to be two weeks. Be after that Western Kentucky one. We pick up that Western Kentucky one, then I'll be a little better mood. But yeah, man, I just. I guess as a, as a homer, you have such high expectations. Yeah, no, it's not only that. You, you know, Floyd set these expectations. That's it, true. it wasn't you. It wasn't me. It wasn't and Bill Knight. Look, it, was, man, it, was, it was. I, I was talking to you about this before. I touched on it just a little bit about before we before we went on. But I'm not saying I'm giving up on Floyd. I'm not saying fire Floyd or anything like that. But I'm I'm just like, when? Like when are you gonna get this team to turn the corner? Get this program to turn the corner? This is his fifth year. Right, fifth year, mm-hmm. right, fifth year, man, and we haven't seen the NCAA tournament once. Every one of the last is it four coaches or three coaches before him, because Gillespie did it, Sadler did it, Barbie did it, so three, three coaches before him, two years, two years, and they were in the NCAA tournament with talent, with damn good talent, with a top leading scorer talent, with a I guy just, that played on a Puerto Rico national team. I mean, yeah. I, I totally, totally hear you tonight. You can see it on the message board. You can see it on Minor Rush. It's yes, we know we can beat a mid-level uh, Conference USA team. We, we, we know we can go eleven and five. We know we can go twelve and four in conference, whatever it is. But the, when are we going to take these big? Games? I'm not even asking to be Gonzaga. You know, I'm not saying when are we going to be Gonzaga. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying when are we going to be? You know, uh, I don't know, uh, a Creighton maybe. You know, like something along those lines. Where like. Pretty much every year you're in the talk for the NCAA tournament. You might make it, you might not, but you're you're going to be in that conversation. You're in the top 25 here and there. Like, wh- we have the talent, we have the coaches. Why can't we get there? I and and I, I it's just I just I'm just wondering when when is it going to happen? Is it going to be year five, year six? I mean, I'm again I'm not saying fire Floyd, but at the same time, how long is this going to go on? You know this uh, this UTEP basketball program. Isn't like the football program where you, you get moral victories. Fans pay season tickets to see banners raised in that damn yeah. gym, and it, it you know you got to start thinking when, and it's when not does like that it, question come in. It's not like it's been t- 
terrible. It, it's been exciting. There's and been it, some, it's gotten better every year. It's gotten forward. better, and and you know we've we've seen some great teams that we've played. It's been a much more exciting schedule and whatnot. But I don't know, man. Maybe maybe the trick is to schedule soft in the in the early going and get 15 wins and get your get your confidence up. Or I don't I don't know what it is, man. But you're right, but that will never happen under Floyd. I know, I mean, but Bar- I'm like, Barbie did it. Bar- I mean, Barbie did it. Barbie did it. Barbie did it. And look, Sadler I mean, did it. Gillespie did it. Everybody did it, yeah. bro. You know, you have one or two decent teams in there, but it was a bunch of cupcakes. You build your resume up. You get your confidence going. Maybe not resume, your confidence, and and then you go into conference you play. You roll table. through conference, and now you're 25 and two or whatever. And I don't know, man. It's that's enough for tonight. You're a frustrated minor fan. Right I am, now. bro. I am. <laughs> and and before I before I keep going with my whining, I'll just call it a night right now. Eat your cheese while you're at it. Eat my cheese, man. Man, well, check it out. Check it out. Also, nothing to check it out this weekend. Two o'clock, El Paso time. I want to say it's on one of the ESPN networks. I don't know, but catch Jamil Showers and, and uh, Eric Thomas' yeah. NFLPA game. We'll try to cover that. And that game on Saturday is on the American Sports yeah, Network as American well, Sports so y'all get to see that as well. That's, that's, points. that's been cool, man. Yeah. I've been, I've been, the coolest thing about it is UTEP has probably the most of the road games. I've look, I, look, I check every Wednesday to see what games are going to come out to USA, and I actually ran down, and UTEP has the most on American Sports Network. Love it. Thank you, American Sports right. Network. Bob Stoll, whoever put that together, good deal. Yeah, so, yeah. Check it out. A lot, lot of even though it's one game this week, there's still lots of going on. We'll keep y'all up to date. What's going down? I'm gonna go watch these. I know they practiced today, uh, Jamil and, and Eric. So let me see if I can find anything worth writing. Let y'all know. But y'all know how to hit us up. Hit us up through Facebook, Facebook.com/slash/MinorRush, Twitter.com/slash. Yeah, here we go. No, that's 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 yeah, actually, it is last year. Minor, minor Rush. Minor Rush. And All right, know, let me give it a shot. Let me give it a shot. Y'all know where to find us. MinorRush.com. At SBN Minor Rush on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Minor Rush, SBN Minor Rush at gmail.com, and wherever else. I think Alex has got a Tinder account now. 512 You got Tinder now, don't you? Just, I, no, I actually opened up a, uh, so I could catfish one of those uh, farmers. <laughs> you don't have to be lonely. Oh, that's funny, man. On that note, we're gone. Later. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.